Today on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series, I am speaking with Marie Malte. Marie is the director of the Art Center at the University of New Brunswick in Fredericton. In addition to overseeing the center's collection, she promotes the role of art in understanding the contemporary world and its role in the exchange of ideas and knowledge. The Women Mind the Water podcast series engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am pleased to welcome Marie Mate to the Artist Series podcast. In the last decade, Marie has been raising awareness about environmental issues through art. Her first project, H2O Liquid Measure, was a maze of 6,500 plastic water bottles. The installation called attention to our disposable culture and its contribution to plastic pollution. In 2019, she oversaw an exhibition entitled Cascade, Our Plastic, Our Planet, Our Choice. This multifaceted project featured a floor-to-ceiling waterfall made from plastic. The Art Center just launched H2O and Ocean of Science. It's an interactive app developed in collaboration with Spandrel Interactive, a New Brunswick-based game and digital media developer. The app was designed for use with a smartphone or tablet. Users can interact by contributing their own observations and thereby becoming part of a global conversation about climate change. Welcome, Marie. Thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. It is wonderful to meet another woman who is actively engaged in conversations with artists and audiences about the environmental impact humans have on the planet, and more specifically, the ocean. Marie, your resume lists a degree in fine art history, as well as a diploma in experiential arts. What it doesn't tell me is where you grew up or what led you to follow the path that you did. Mm, That is a good question. Um, I've always been interested in art. I've always painted and drawn and, and I was taken to art galleries and, um, you know, I saw architecture, architecture at a very early age. So I was always, it was always a part of, of the culture that I grew up in. Um, so it, it, that's, that was a struggle I, I had as a, a student at school, you know, which direction to go in. There was, there were so many interests, um, that it, it was quite difficult. So I, I started uh, at the University of Toronto with a degree in English and then uh, ended up in the fine art history for a, a master's in fine art, but went to the Ontario, Ontario College of Art and Design uh, in between those times. Um, so I, I think art has just always been a presence. So it seems your leadership style has always been about experiential learning. Under your guidance, the center has held exhibitions on such things as body art and the exploration of Mars. What motivated you to pivot towards exhibitions focused on environmental issues? Hmm. I wouldn't call it a pivot. It's been something that's been, uh, again, part of something I grew up with. My father was a science teacher and um, exposed me to all kinds of uh, biology experiments and uh, crazy things that he would build 
Um, but he was one of the first people I knew who actually recycled and composted. This was way before it was popular. Um, so it's just something that, again, that was just part of my, my growing up, part of my environment. Um, I'm, I've always been interested in explorers. So the Mars exploration is still something that fascinates me. Um, you know, interstellar travel, all of that is, is something that um, I find uh, the pushing the, the, the limits of the world that we know. So uh, with the water project that I, I started um, 11 years ago now with World Water Day, that actually came from a very personal experience um, that I had. I, I, when I moved to Fredericton, New Brunswick, I bought a house on a hill outside of town, not knowing that it was an extinct volcano and that the oh, geography of the area was, uh, it, it, it didn't function. The, the land didn't function the way that other land does um, because of this volcano. And so um, what happened is when all the, when that area was developed, all the wells drilled into the same pocket of water and depleted that resource. So I was left without water with two small children. Uh, I melted snow to do my dishes. I rigged us, had a friend who helped me rig a cistern up uh, collecting rainwater from the, the roof. Um, I had a tank put into the basement where I had a fellow come with a truck who filled that up periodically. So I learned to be very, very conservative with water. And it just brought to mind how precious that resource is. Uh, and thinking, you know, I live in a, a place where I have access to all of those things I described. Uh, what about people who don't have access? Uh, what about people who just, you know, there's no snow to melt. <laughs> you know, there's no water to be had. I, they can't turn a tap on and get clean drinking water. So that is what really sparked this, this um, water project. Okay. Very good insight. So in my podcast, I've had a number of occasions to speak with artivists who are focused on plastic pollution. Artists mm -hmm. like Pam Longabardi and her Drifters Project, and Suzanne Ternaniwai in Fiji with her Benuni Watui. You are the first guest for me to speak to who has been involved in developing an app. How did you come to develop an app merging art, science, and technology? Yes, well... Um... That's interesting. I had a friend who was staying with me and he was uh, working on virtual reality projects for industry. And as he was progressing and he would show me his experiments, you know, make me wear the goggles. And uh, that was fascinating. It was it was a, a, a visual door that opened for me that I, I never really had experienced before. So I thought, wow, that'd be really interesting because it's such an immersive approach. So I thought, it'd be really interesting to do a project like that um, where the, the water world was explored. Um, I didn't have, uh, that's, that's the next step for me, but for, for this particular app, um, I looked around, I, I had the idea of what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know who to talk to. And finally I spoke with Jeff Mundy, um, the uh, CEO of Spandrel Interactive, and we chatted, and he said, oh, I can, we can do that. So we talked. Um, I tried to explain what I was looking for, what I wanted this app to do, and we worked um, on, on it last We launched it actually last year, the first version of it last year. Um, so we worked for three months solid on getting um, exactly what it is that I, I had in my mind out there um, because I'm not a coder. 
I don't know how to do that stuff. So I was very reliant on Spandrel Interactive to, um, to go through those processes. Um, and there's a lot of regulations and um, a, a lot of sort of that back end stuff that I didn't even know about that has to go on with Google and um, the Apple people and all that, you know, um, with apps. You can't just put something up. It has to go through a, a rigorous process. Okay. Can you describe the app? What does mm. it do? Okay. So when you launch the app, you see a um, globe. It comes out of a jet of water, which is quite fascinating, with sound effects and music. Um, and you get a globe that spins. And the globe um, eventually slows down and you can actually make it a bit larger. And there's little markers all over the globe that uh, are trouble spots in the world uh, where water is an issue. So um, you click on one of these markers and it takes you to um, a photograph, an image, uh, and a card with some text. And then there's a link. If you want to explore more, you can explore more through, through other, uh, other sources. So that's the, 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 the basis of it. Um, the, the, that's the sort of the standard version. There's an augmented reality version where you point your phone at the floor and it actually, this waterfall, this water jet and globe come into your, your living room and you can manage it that way through, through touching it um, in, in, a, in this kind of uh, augmented reality sense. So the one version is on your phone. The other one is actually in the space that you're occupying. So do you know of plans to use the data from the app for artistic or scientific projects? I'm not sure yet. Um, I don't know if there's any plans out there of, of people. I'm, I'm not planning to do anything more beyond what we've done with this in terms of, um, you know, developing an art project from this. Um, but I'm hoping there are people who do. Okay. So how do you view the app? Is it a form of art? It's a hybrid, I would say. Um, it's something we uh, invited um, Colonel Chris Hadfield to the Art Center in 2015. And he uh, gave a great presentation. And in it, he said, science is how we understand things. Engineering is how we make things work. But when we want to communicate, we use art. And I think that is uh, sort of the underpinning of this. Um, I wouldn't call it an art um, project per se. Um, I think it's, it's a hybrid of, of, of all these different things. So what new ways do you see for artists to engage with audiences? Oh, I think technology has opened up a huge uh, platform for exploration. I think, I don't think we've even scratched the surface yet of how, um, technology, uh, how sound, how visuals, how all these things can be, uh, manipulated. There's a lot of artists working right now with various technologies, with video, with all kinds of, um, different approaches, uh, as well as traditional art making media. Right. So do you think that this technology makes it increasingly possible for the audiences to be interactively engaged with art, that they will be less interested in engaging in art that isn't presented in a technological way? I don't think so. I think as humans, we respond on a visceral level to art. Um, you know, it's a sensual experience, uh, whether you see a painting or a sculpture or whether you see a uh, virtual reality um, environment. Um, I think uh, 
the sort of technological platforms help to, it, it makes it easy. It's on our phone. You know, we have these phones with us all the time. So I think um, that makes it somewhat accessible. You don't have to go to an art gallery. But I think with social media and uh, our online world, especially after COVID, I think, you know, we, we are more attuned to, to, um, to using tech, technology to, to further our communication, to further our um, creative processes. Okay. So what challenges do you think that artists face in engaging audiences in the conversation about the environment? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that challenged me, especially when I was beginning to work on H2O Liquid Measure or the Cascade Project or uh, the Heavy Metal Project, um, was how do, do you visualize quantities that we can't even really fathom? You know, 91 billion or 6,500 or 10,000 meters or, you know, those kinds of things. So I think the challenge for me has been how do you take these quantities and make them real and make them so that people can understand them? Because I think when we hear statistics or we hear doom and gloom, we just turn off. We don't hear anything more. Um, We're like, oh, that problem is too big. We can't solve it. But I, I do believe we can. I believe we have the ingenuity, we have the brain power, we, we are developing technology all the time, and we're always looking for solutions to, to some of these, these things. So I think that, um, you know, we have to not necessarily look at the positive side, because I, that's difficult too, um, but I think we have to find pathways where we can meet each other uh, one-on-one, uh, where we can communicate, where we can talk about these things, where we can see things that, that spark our imagination, that, that um, assist us in making decisions that um, help the planet rather than hurt the planet. So something as small as an individual being aware of how much plastic they consume uh, with, like I said, with the H2O liquid measure, with the water bottles, just be having that awareness. Once you have the awareness, once those blinders are taken off, you can't see the world the same way. And I think that's the power of art right there. An interesting question that came to mind is uh, one of the last artists that um, I interviewed was Mariah Redding. And she picks up uh, trash that she finds. And then she's a landscape artist. So Mm -hmm. she paints that landscape where the item was found on the object. And so it both calls attention to the object, but hides it in the the landscape. And what she said was that she was aware as an art student about all the art projects that people create, and then they trash it, or the the materials that you use that are uh, also contribute to pollution. So that is an issue in creating uh, some of this art that mm-hmm. I don't know if artists, do you think that artists are aware of their contribution to the problem in calling attention to the problem? I, I think so. I, I think that's part of it. I think art galleries are becoming more aware of uh, sustainable management issues as well. Um, but yeah, art is about material uh, generally. And so what do you do with that material? For me, with the um, H2O liquid measure, 
um, I took bottles from a recycling company and then I gave them back to them. So there was no um, superfluous material. Um, with the heavy metal project, it was a community uh, invitation to bring their e-waste, their electronic gadgets and things that were no longer functional, bring that e-waste into the gallery. And we collected six tons of that, which was incredible for recycling. So it was uh, in a way a pathway to um, providing um, awareness and uh, in the community about e-cycling and, and the problem with e-waste. So, um, you know, I think there are ways to do that as well. Okay. So finally, do you think we can effectively engage in conversations about making the ocean a less polluted, more sustainable place? And how do we do that? I think there's a lot of people looking at a lot of the different problems. Um, and some of the solutions cause problems too. And I think that's, that's a problematic situation. So for example, um, when um, the Deepwater Horizon in 2010, when the Deepwater Horizon uh, created that incredible oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, um, one of the ways that they looked at trying to clean up that, that oil was using chemical dispersants, which actually made the matter worse. Um, but I think, you know, we have to try, we have to, to look at, at different, different ways we can, can manage these things. Right now, um, there are, uh, they're developing LED nets to prevent uh, sea turtles and other marine animals from, from going into those nets. Um, there's a ropeless consortium um, that is looking at reducing the number of ropes that are holding nets and crab traps and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're looking at um, tracking the North Atlantic right whale so that, you know, when they know that they're in the shipping lanes, they, they're reducing their speeds or they're preventing ships from going in there, um, which, you know, there's, there's always two sides to a thing. Um, every problem has, has, has solutions and, and problems with those solutions sometimes. But I think, you know, we have to keep working at it. We have to keep trying. We have to keep finding a way to help preserve this beautiful planet that we have said thank you marie for being on the women for being on the women mind the water podcast i hope listeners have gotten new perspectives on the relationship between art technology and the environment i'd like to remind listeners that i have been speaking with marie malte for the women mind the water podcast series the series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com an audio only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and other sites. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.